Hello. Good morning, good evening, good day to all of you. It's so nice to see you on our Hope Story Circle brought to you by the Peace Alliance, peacealliance.org. And I'm, my name is Terry Mason, and I am on the board of the Peace Alliance. And welcome to Peace On. Welcome to your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. We welcome you today, and with me facilitating is Liz Gannon-Graydon, who is on our board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our Teaching Peace in Schools lead. And we are welcoming our special guest today, Kate Katz. And Kate has been a frequent visitor in our Hope Story Circle since we started, and we're so delighted to have you join us as our guest today, Kate. Can you come off mute and say hello? Absolutely. Good morning, everybody. And thank you again so much for this invitation. The prep call really was lovely. Like I feel, I feel, you know, you have created an atmosphere that feels very similar to home for very vulnerable sharings. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, that's lovely to hear. We, we have enjoyed prepping to hear your story yesterday. I'm really excited to be here today and share it more widely with everyone here. But before we begin, we'll have Yelena lead us in a little grounding meditation to bring us all in the room. Yelena? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and um, wherever you are and whenever you're listening to this podcast, I want to welcome you all. And I want to, yeah, invite you in a practice of awareness. Um, and maybe I'm noticing that any of you already have your eyes closed. Um, that's an invitation. If you want to have your eyes open, that's perfectly well. Or if during this time you want to open and close them and just experiment with awareness in that way, that's a choice. That's a choice you can make. Um, so yeah, I invite you to perhaps with that, just notice, notice your feet, notice your seat, notice your back. And if breath is accessible to you at this moment, perhaps just taking one soothing deep breath all the way to your belly, allowing even a, a vocal exhale, welcoming yourself to this day, to this moment. And just notice any place in your body that is calling your attention. A lot of times we are aware of our thoughts. Just for a moment, can you notice any sensations? Any emotions that are present in your body? Perhaps starting with your feet or your hands. Belly, 
Any temperature, texture, tingling, pulsing, anything that you're aware of it right now. Perhaps you want to place your hands, that part of your body that needs some tending to. I often like to place my hands on my chest and my belly. You can vary the pressure. Or notice just the contact. And if there is discomfort, just let it be for a moment. We are acquainting ourselves with our body. Again, I invite you to Take a breath that feels soothing or just noticing your feet on the floor. And perhaps in the last few moments, just giving yourself a gentle hug and be just from the shoulders all the way to your arms, just gently squeezing. Just please squeezing your body, saying, hey, ah, here for you. Oh, darling. Welcome. Come to our space of listening and sharing. Come, Kate. Thank you all for practicing. When you're ready, Kate. Thank you so much, Helena. That was really beautiful. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to be sharing my story today, and I just wanted to jump in before I do that and introduce myself. My name is Kate Katz. I am the owner and founder of a company called All Hands In, which is a soft skills development company. And I'm also a professional puppeteer and special effects artist based out of Los Angeles, California. When I was asked to share my story, the first question that I had was, all right, well, which story do you want? Because I have so many of them. But when I sat down and I really thought about this, I realized that there was an overarching theme to my story and that that really came down to one narrative for me, which is that I believe that I, my story, I believe that all of our lives are actually on a noble path and why I feel this way, I find it very helpful to view my life and story through this lens of the noble path, because 
honestly, <laughs> the world is really hard. Um, the world can be really heartbreaking and just difficult. And it's, that seems to be like the one consistent thing that we have to look for right now is just difficulty. And, you know, when I think about my life on these terms, I, I get comfort. I find that I'm able to have agency. Um, you know, I'm able to feel empowered. And this is how I've really learned to thrive during really difficult and challenging moments um, that we have all experienced within the last two years, but mostly also throughout my life. Um, I have a couple of beliefs that I've come to kind of clarify, like how I define, define this noble path. And one of the things that I believe, a couple of the things, but like the first point is that I think that we as a human species are all endowed with unique gifts that we are actually meant to share with humanity and that as we move through life and as we go down our paths we acquire more skills and we acquire more gifts i also think that we are always on this path like even when we're ignoring it or we're turning away from it i think of like mycelium like the carpet like the mushroom um, you know, the, the mushroom network, like it's always there, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, it's always under our feet, supporting and sustaining life. I also don't think that this is about binary. I don't think the path is about like right or wrong or good or bad or yes or no. I think of it more as like a scale. And I look at like how I'm falling into alignment on that scale. And I've learned that even when I'm out of alignment with my path, it's still an opportunity for learning, growth and development, which is really amazing. And also that when I'm in alignment with my path, I feel deeply rooted in my authenticity. I feel connected to purpose and I feel a deep sense of empowerment um, that is incredibly affirming. One of the things that I struggled with that I noticed throughout my life with this concept of the noble path is that our culture has warped so much of my relationship to this. Um, for many years, I really naively subscribed to like what I would call like the capitalistic enlightenment, right? In other words, like validation for being on this path had to show up in the form of monetary wealth, prestige, or admiration. And this mentality for me personally really quickly led to resentment and frustration and like a success failure mindset. Um, almost like, here I am, I'm on my path. Okay, I'm here to benefit humanity. Okay, universe, show me the money. <laughs> and that really was very counterproductive for my own growth and development as well as like my mental health. Um, I even set like a monetary goal for the company and, and that was like the standard to prove my validity. And every month that I didn't meet that goal, I felt completely useless. By the way, I still haven't met that goal. That's still, that's still not a box that I can check, but I've learned how to shift my perspective with all of this, which is the point of sharing my story with you all today. It was only a recent discovery when I looked around that I have been just so abundant in abundance. And my ability to see all of this required that I really remove the traditional cultural measures of success that we have been indoctrinated with and instead view abundance from a holistic perspective. A really pivotal moment in my journey was an evening when I was stressed out about the success of All Hands In. And I, I'm pretty sure that this was even during COVID, um, which makes it even a little bit more um, profound. So in isolation, stressing out about this company that I, you know, I created and I, I don't know where it's going or what's going to happen. And I sat down to meditate 
And I, Liz Gannon has this, Liz Gannon Graydon has this wonderful term, burning bush. I want a burning bush sign from the universe <laughs> where I'm going. And I sat down and I said, all right, I need, I need some direction. And after meditating, I pulled the car, I pulled a tarot card and the card that I pulled happened to be the hermit. For those of you who are not familiar with tarot, I just want to give you a brief synopsis just so that you're on the same page. The hermit is a card about standing alone. Um, it's an old man. He's on top of a mountain. He's looking out over all the other mountains. And it's a symbol of his mastery and his growth and his accomplishment. And he's got a lantern and he's got a staff. And the lantern is a sign of his wisdom. And the staff is a sign of his balance and support. And the lantern will only show him two feet ahead. And he needs to use the staff and he needs to use his inner intuition to find his way down the path but it will only be lit for, you know, the few feet in front of him. The card is basically trust your intuition and know that the path is there. And as you continue to walk toward it, you know, as you continue to walk down it, it will reveal itself. But when I pulled that card, I was like, all right, okay, I'm on the path. This is great, but I can't see where I'm going. And I just have to trust everything. What kind of card is this? <laughs> but as I sat back and I reflected and I looked back over my life, what I realized was that this was exactly how my life has always been unfolding. And this is what I would like to talk to you about today, about the ways that this has unfolded for me. And hopefully this resonates with y'all. I don't remember the first time that I saw a puppet, but I do remember being three or four years old when I became absolutely enthralled with puppetry. I was a child of the 80s. I grew up with incredible children's television, mostly puppetry based. And what I noticed was that puppetry literally vibrated with me. It literally held my attention in a way nothing else did. And as I grew up, I continued to watch children's television, but my motivation changed. And I realized those were jobs that adults had that allowed them to play all day. And this was confirmed for me when I saw a behind the scenes interview with the therapist. And he was asked the question, why is this what you do for a living? And he looked at the interview and he was like, are you kidding me? I get to play all day. Like 10 year old me was like, that's the goal. That's the goal. Put that down the list. That's what I want to be when I grow up. And I, you know, I held on to this, but as I got older, the prospect of being able to do this became so much harder because number one, I was plagued with self-doubt and low self-esteem as a kid. And then on top of it, we had all of these like binary constructs of what success looks like coming from our culture, right? Success, you were either succeeding or you were failing and success looked like these certain things. And it was about stability and it was about monetary income. And being an adult that seemed to be able to enjoy my life, that seemed like it seemed to slip just further and further out of my grasp as I was growing up. I attended college and when I went, I had no clear directions or goals, but the cultural messaging again was like, get a stable major, get, a, get something that earns wealth. And I remember there was one semester I was taking a psych cap, uh, class and there was a graduate student who was doing a study on coercion and I participated for extra credit. And the study was essentially like, um, you know, I was attending Southern Connecticut State University and they wanted me to record um, an endorsement to be used for advertising for the school. And I said to the student that was running it, I was like, look, I know this is important to you and I'll do it. But if you don't like the recording, you don't have to use it. And essentially what my recording was, was going to college is an important decision and you shouldn't let an advertisement make that decision for you. I was the only student in that study that didn't follow the prescribed path. And the department reached out to me and actually asked if I would major in psychology. And I thought that this was like the greatest solution because 
Psychologists, number one, that's stability. You're always going to need, you always have clients. Number two, psychologists drive really nice cars. And I was like, okay, that's a stable income. Like this, this is it. This is the, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And I, and I, and I, now I have a major and I know. And I came home that weekend and I was so proud of myself. And I said, mom, I've, I've got a major and I'm majoring in psych. And she just looked at me and she said, why are you doing that? And I said, because I don't want to live in the basement with you and dad for the rest of my life. And she said, Kate, all your father and I want is for you to be happy. And you are a creative and you need to major in the fields that are going to make you happy. And her words were absolutely true and resonated with me. And I went back to school that after that weekend and I switched over my major and I started majoring in theater and it was a complete affirmation of my authenticity that was also at the same time completely terrifying. My decision to major in theater actually ended up leading to an apprenticeship at Goodspeed Opera House where two amazing things happened. Number one, I apprenticed under Diane Fargo who gave me a kick-ass work ethic and an amazing set of skills. And to this day, I'm deeply grateful for her. And the second thing is that I had this amazing conversation with world-renowned marionette artist, Philip Huber, who was performing at the Goodspeed on a production of A Road to Hollywood. Philip generously gave me a few hours of his time. And we talked about my fear and anxiety about pursuing puppetry as a career and how, you know, I just felt like that that was not something that was realistic for me and, uh, and just that I was completely terrified. And Philip said something along the lines to me of this, don't let your fear stop you from trying. If you feel called to puppetry, you need to listen to that and you need to give it a shot. And UConn, which is the University of Connecticut, which is in Stores, Connecticut, which has a graduate puppetry program, Stores and UConn will give you that opportunity, but you don't know if you don't try. And again, this conversation was another mobile, uh, noble path moment. So the day that I drove up to audition to, to UConn, I had M&M's Lose Yourself on repeat blasting from my car stereo. And the audition went well, and I was accepted as a graduate student for the fall semester of 2002. 2006, I moved to New York after school, and the atmosphere in children's television was super competitive and super catty, and it was a very small pool for opportunities, and there were a ton of puppeteers. And when I look back on my early days in this career, I can see now that I was definitely on the right path but I was moving in the completely wrong direction. I was hell-bent on seeking the stable and lucrative puppetry jobs in television, and I was stressed out and worried about what other people were thinking about me the entire time. I was participating in drama. I was highly insecure. In short, I was totally out of alignment, even though I was on my path. When the economy crashed in 2008, two years later, the atmosphere that was competitive was now completely cut skilled. I was networked. I was experienced by colleagues who had been working in puppetry for 10, 20, 30, and 40 years. So I had to become creative. And that was when I started helping friends of mine outside of New York. And I would fly down to Atlanta and I would fly down to Austin with and help two of my friends that were working on their own puppet projects and with no idea of where that was going to go. Where that actually led was that the Atlanta puppeteer recommended me for a commercial in Los Angeles. And that led to a full move a year later. As a result of moving to LA, I was able to make a crossover that very few traditional puppeteers ever make, which is that I became a puppeteer and I became a special effects artist. 
my career has allowed me to work on movies like Iron Man 3, Interstellar, which my team, the, my own, the owner of the company won an Academy Award for. Aquaman, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which ended up being the second Academy Award that I was presented with for not me personally, but the owner of my company, but that within my career, the second Academy Award, and none of this, when I was thinking about becoming a puppeteer, I could ever imagine for myself. And so working in special effects really has been like an amazing opportunity. But as a woman in this industry, I also notice how much toxic masculinity permeates the culture. And so the way that I have learned how to navigate that is actually by tapping into skills that I acquired during my puppetry training. I noticed on a couple of projects years ago that when I was dealing with difficult personalities and very difficult situations, I filtered these moments through the lens of, if I was on a puppet project or a puppet needed to do this, would I fight this request or wanna punch this person in the face right now? Or would I find a way to support this and make this happen? When I find a way to support this puppet and allow this puppet to grow and move and thrive. These were my first moments of connecting puppetry to a larger set of interpersonal skills that I did not even know how to name. Having this mindset quickly made me an asset on projects and I was able to step into leadership and use these interpersonal skills to communicate and help crews collaborate more effectively. Taking a page from the collaborative process of puppetry and applying it to special effects allowed my career to thrive. And I felt stable for the first time in my life. And then we had the 2016 election <laughs> and I was thrown into a lot of grief, a lot of loss, a myriad of other painful emotions that came out of that. And I was spending my time really marinating in the relationship between ineffective leadership and toxic culture. And like many people around that time, I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning. I was worried about the state of our country. I was wondering what more I could be doing. And again, came back to this thing of puppetry, really supporting these interpersonal skills that could benefit leadership and benefit team building. And the question that I asked myself at that point was, can puppetry actually be a tool to help create more effective leaders and teams? So I began writing curriculum that would eventually become my company all hands in. And during this time, this is how I learned that those skills actually had a name. They're called soft skills. And I also discovered that there has been a complete lack of practical training that gives leaders and teams a way to practice these skills specifically. Yes, there are team building companies and there are leadership courses. There's even virtual soft skill training, but nothing specifically, because I looked into this. I looked into this for any excuse not to start this company. There is nothing that specifically allows teams and leaders in person and in-person arena to wrestle with and practice these skills. And so that was when I knew that this work that I had just discovered was number one necessary, number two uh, needed. And I was in a unique position to bring this to life. Linking puppetry as a tool for soft skills training was one of the most profound moments of alignment on my noble path in my life. And it has also been completely terrifying, completely uncertain, and completely unclear the entire time. In 2017, I began hosting free workshops out of my home. Actually, Terry, if I can share my screen, I can show you guys an example of one of my first one of my first um, workshops. Let's see here. Can I pull that up? 
see if I can do this. Yeah, okay, great. So this is one of my first workshops and you can see, can y'all see that, the puppet? Okay, so you can see that this is like um, three puppeteers bringing one puppet to life. And this tool, what's amazing about this, immediately clear that it's the perfect demonstration for collaboration. When the puppeteers are working together and everybody's in flow, the puppet moves so coherently and seamlessly. And when puppeteers, when the team that is behind this are not working effectively together, the puppet looks drunk or worse, the puppet can literally break. So after one of these workshops, my one of my dear friends, Sandra, pulled me aside and she said to me, this is a business. And I demurred because I had a lack of confidence. And I, you know, and she just looked at me and she said, you're going to devalue everything that you created if you don't charge for this work. And I had no excuse out of that. So I ended up starting my company as a sole proprietorship in 2018. For the next two years, I hustled to gain interest while balancing full-time work and special effects. And during that time, I was promoted at my studio um, and I became the first female in senior management at that at Fractured. Um, and now I assist and coordinate the, the studio. And in 2020, when COVID hit, I spent my time in isolation, researching soft skills, creating a soft skills centered community on social media and becoming spiritual and psychologically grounded. After returning from the shutdown, I decided to use my role at Fractured to create an emotionally safe environment for our artists. I fully stepped into my power as a compassionate and competent leader in an industry dominated by toxic masculinity. This was completely terrifying, by the way, and I was not, I was not perfect at it at all. But making that decision really shifted my approach to leadership and also really contributed to Fractured now being sought out by the next generation of artists for its fair and compassionate inclusive culture. We really stand out and shine among the rest of the studios that operate a little more like dirty pirates. <laughs> Despite my promotion and creating a soft skills arena for myself at Fractured, I really still struggled to feel successful because all hands in still wasn't generating income. And what I was overlooking was this, I have been acquiring new skills. I have been rising to challenges. I have been walking into arenas. I have been creating arenas for me to walk into that have all contributed to this work and all contributed in supporting me in my leadership journey. And I was also shifting toxic dynamics toward a softer, kinder, and more heart-centered culture. All of this has been aligned with my noble path, but I overlooked it because it wasn't fitting into our narrow cultural view of success. My noble path may never provide me monetary wealth or widespread interest or all the accolades, or it may, it may, God willing, it may, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that it's any less noble or that I stop honoring it or that I give up walking down it or that I think that I've completed my journey if I ever do become successful when I ever become successful. Accepting my role on this path, even when I'm standing still on it, even when the path is overgrown or unclear or foggy or filled with pitfalls or obstacles or hazards, this is what the work looks like. When the road is clear and paved, it is no more noble than when it is rugged or rocky. And for me, this is the noble path. It's this how it always is. How I choose to honor this path when it's smooth versus when it's rocky, that's my choice. And that's also part of my journey. 
My noble path has brought me a collection of tools from puppetry to soft skills, from leadership as well as a spiritual practice. I've learned to become a fully integrated human being with a deep love for my inner child. I've learned the power of softening. I've witnessed the power of my own heart, all because I've honored this journey along my path. I now understand that I'm on this path even when my talents aren't being sought out or compensated. I'm on this path even when I'm in doubt of my power or purpose. And I'm on this path even when it's unclear or it feels misguided. And like the hermit, I'm only able to see a few steps in front of me. And I have to trust myself. And that's what the noble path feels like. It's not always a yellow brick road. Sometimes it's a torn up street in New Orleans. But I also have a dim lantern to light my way and I'm learning to embrace the beauty of this path and the adventure that I'm grateful to be on, wherever it's taking me. So what is the noble path that I believe myself to be on? That I am here to shift culture towards greater belonging and collaboration through the tools of puppetry and soft skills. And that is my story. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. <clears throat> that was lovely. Liz, Yelena, what about an inquiry? What can we have people talk about when we go to the breakouts? Yeah, Kate, I know that you just muted yourself, but we, you know, we had such a rich conversation last night and I want to know if in thinking there was a particular inquiry that you wanted to send everyone off in. And if you don't, then I, I, I will um, offer one. I would love to hear your inquiry on this, Liz. Okay. Um, there's so much in this. And I think, I think you'll have rich conversations. But what was coming up for me um, is that idea that very early, Kate understood what her vehicle was going to be, that it was puppetry, right? That she knew it as a, you said, three or four-year-old, that that was going to be her path. And she's gone off the path and she's, she's embraced it in different ways, right? But that puppetry has become the metaphor for her life, right? It's the soft skills, it's the collaboration, it's the moving sm smoothly as opposed to not. And I was thinking so many of us, when we're very young, we understand what our metaphor is. For some of us, it might be dance. For some of it, it might be um, singing if you're in the creative field, but for others, they see the world mathematically. They see the world through the uh, different lens. So I invite you to go into the group and think, can you think of from the time you were little, like that metaphor, that, that thing that has been your guiding path that you keep coming back to that has given you the skills to, um, to come to the place you are at now. Let me try to say that a little more succinctly for Terry. Um, so Kate's metaphor, which she shared with you, which she keeps coming back to on her noble path is that puppetry has given her both the means and the metaphor for doing the work she came to do in the world. So can each of you come into the circle thinking, is there a particular metaphor that you can think of that you understood very early was your path for moving through life and how you've come back to it or how it's lit that path for you those two feet at a time? Okay, great. So we're gonna go into breakout rooms and the agreements that we have are to speak from your heart, to listen with your heart, to say just enough so that everyone has an opportunity to share in the short time we have and to keep confidentiality. When we come back, we'd love to hear from people as to what surfaced 
but don't tell personal details unless you're so inspired to tell your own. You could speak to the themes if it's for the group itself. And we go into breakout rooms. We'll be there for about 15 minutes and then we'll come back. So I'm gonna pause the recording for now and we'll see you back here soon. Well, welcome back everyone. I'm so interested in hearing what people want to share. If you're interested in sharing, you can go off mute and speak. Anyone? Horses, horses, horses. There we go. The metaphor. Oh. <laughs> Anna B with her horse. And <laughs> the horses for me are like puppets in a way because they represent both the power of of being out of control and yet um, the gentleness of when you are able to have what Kate was talking about, uh, the soft skills to um, be gentle and come alongside and have teamwork. And so that's what, what I shared and, and brought to our, our breakout. So good to be with everybody. Oh, Anna, that's a wonderful photo. Thank you for sharing. Who else would like to share? You have to, yeah, unmute yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, hi, everyone. I'm Lisa. Uh, first, I want to say, Kate. It's so good to see you. And this, thank you, Liz, for inviting me to this beautiful group. I met some two lovely, amazing women. Um, but my, I'm a puppeteer too, as you can see behind me. <laughs> and it's amazing, Kate, how my life has paralleled yours. It's just, it's crazy. I went to Southern too, which is nice, way before you, of course. I but... didn't know that. I didn't know that we both went to Southern. Yeah, I that's didn't amazing. <laughs> And that's so good to see you. Uh, yeah. So. But it, it's so funny. I thought I felt the only way because, you know, my path with puppetry did the, you know, had to be on Sesame Street and had to do the official puppet stuff. And it was an awful experience, very toxic, which you would not think. And I thought I was the only one who felt that way. I thought there was something wrong with me. Like, how Oh, you my God. I'm so glad that you're on this call today. Lisa. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here. <laughs> yeah. And, and like you, my my path in puppetry has expanded to this this wonderful work that I do with um, this NGO I work with, No Strings International, and it's all about um, giving the gift of creativity and laughter to people to express themselves and to work through things and be creative and to realize that everyone is creative and everyone is special. And you, we grew up in this culture where you don't feel that way. You have to be successful, whatever that is. You have to make money. You have to be the best, the best, the best. And with the toxic masculinity and just ageism, it's it's extremely difficult. So I, I feel so much better. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing, Lisa. Yeah. So yay. And I met lovely ladies and you all look so fantastic. So I'm just so happy to be here. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Who else would like to share? Anything bubbled up in your room? Bubbled up from you, even if you didn't share it in your room? Can share. Um, I'm amazed because one of the things that seems to recurring recurringly arise in these groups with some of the prompts is that I'm probably damn near half of the small groups I've been in at this point have heard my metaphor around the genre of, of fantasy uh, that I, I grew up with. And it's just funny because as a child, what I viewed that through was one thing. And now when I'm asked a prompt like this to look back on what comes to mind, I'm amazed at the depth and meaning of what, when I was younger or at a certain point, I kind of thought were just like silly ad adventure novels, essentially. Um, and the image that immediately arose was th that in all the fantasy, like the many fantasy books I read, is just this, um, is this image of companionship that in these pause moments that would happen between the adventures when um, people from very different backgrounds would huddle together around a fire. And I just, I mean, it's, when that image arose, I was like, I mean, that's what I do now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's creating spaces for people from different backgrounds to come together and build community. And, and so it's amazing to me that um, things that gravitated to on a whim as a child, like I wouldn't, I, I just would never have thought to even make that connection mm -hmm. uh, had it not been for the, some of these prompts. So yeah, it was, it's, it's interesting watching through, um, things I did as a youth through my adult lens. Mm. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, it is. It is really interesting to sort of have a moment to to look at things differently. Okay, before Liz brings us to a close, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Just I'm always filled with gratitude to be in this space today. You know, like any time that I come to this space, I just feel really grateful for all of you. And, um, you know, I, I think that this is a story, my story um, and the way that I view my life. I understand that, you know, everybody has their own perspective, right? Everybody has their own way of, of navigating the world around them. Um, and again, like, you know, when we talked about, you know, sort of my perspective on this path, that it's, I don't view it as binary, right? I don't view things as right or wrong or good or bad or being on the path or being off the path. And um, that's, it's just afforded me a lot more grace and com compassion than I grew up giving myself mm -hmm. from the environment that I was raised in. And I think even if it's not something that you subscribe to, right, even if it's not the noble path is not something that you naturally gravitated toward or you feel like this theme didn't fit or apply, that the benefit of just being compassionate and patient and looking back and as well as looking as far forward as you possibly can and realizing that there's something intuitive um, and authentic in each of us that's really continually shows up to help us navigate the world um 
you know, I, I, I think that it's always worth a moment to just sort of marinate with that. Mm. I always just find that very grounding and, and holistic and connecting me to whom I am at my core. And I think we all deserve moments like that. Mm. That's what was coming up for me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So I'm putting a few links in the chat. Um, these Hope Story Circles are um, brought to you, as I said, by the Peace Alliance. Our website is peacealliance.org. Our mission is to empower civic action for a culture of peace. And we also have a page there about the Hope Story Circles that you can share with your friends in your network. Um, there's also a major initiative, our Blueprint for Peace. If you click on that link, you can send messages to all of your elected officials, federally, state, local, letting them know that you support policies related to the, the thoughts of violence reduction and peace building. There's also a link about our keystone piece of legislation, H.R. 1111, to create a cabinet level department of peace building in our government. They are a small nonprofit. There's a link to donate. We appreciate donations of any size, in particular our monthly donations that give us sustainable income. We have a campaign going on right now for 2022. We're attempting to raise $20,000 and get 22 new monthly donors. So if you want to be part of the 22 monthly donors, come on in. There's also the calendar of events, um, which you'll find the information about our Hope Story Circles and also all the other activities and calls that we have going on every week and every month. So with that, Liz, I'm going to hand it back to you to bring us to a close. Yeah. Um... I'm going to close differently than I thought I was going to a few minutes ago. What um, what I loved emerging from what Lisa said, what what Dave said, what Anna said, um, is that idea of kind of path and collaboration. And I started to think um, things start to emerge, and I'm thinking, oh, I wonder, I would love to work with that person on this, this person brought that, but maybe you can bring those people together to do, to work on something together. And we have a lot of people who keep coming back and back, and I love that you make connections in the small rooms. And I'm wondering if we may want to think about um, how we might create more collaboration among one another, and or just more collaboration in the community around you. You know, we, we welcome new people and, we, and, and I love that, but I would love to think about how those of us who show up, um, whether we show up once or every uh, circle, how many, we might think about creating that collaboration to do exactly what you said. Um, Kate, you named a word that's our core value, right? Shifting the culture, right? To a culture of peace. And so I would love to maybe send us off uh, in the next two weeks before our call to think about how we can either collaborate as a group or how we can think about bringing those skills to shifting the culture with people right in our own community and how we might reach out to people. So that's it. I want to thank you guys for being here. Um, as always, I want to say, Yelena and Terry, thank you so much for providing this space. And Kate, thank you um, for going deep and being so vulnerable and thank everybody who shared in the group. Um, so Terry, I know you invite everyone to unmute themselves so yeah. we can have like a minute to say goodbye to one another. Yeah, feel free to come up mute to say goodbye. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank, thank you all. Thank you. Appreciation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all.
Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.